Thanks for joining us today at North Coast Church as we continue in our series on the book of John, Life or Death. Pastor Chris has an amazing message in store for you. But before that, this whole month, we are focusing on Serve Your City. Give, serve, and love. It's where we go out into the community and be God's hands and feet to our neighbors and organizations on the front line, helping individuals in need. To be able to help support us in this effort, simply go to our website, northcoastchurch.com, and click on the Serve Your City banner. There you can find a project in your local area or online. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's go ahead and get ready for today's message. We encourage you to go to our website or use our mobile app to download the message notes. You can give online, or you can also put in a prayer request. Now let's join Pastor Chris Brown for today's message. Okay, if there was ever a time and place where it was gonna happen, it's now. It's now, and, and everyone knows it. Okay, it, it's been building for the last year or so, but if it's gonna happen, well, we know where it's gonna happen and we know how it should happen, and it's on everyone's mind. Do you think he's gonna show up? Do you think he dare shares his, shows his face again? Do you think he's gonna walk into the temple? What's his agenda gonna be this time? Everything's at a fever pitch just nationally because what's going on, and now, there's a guy that's claiming to be God. And if he is, well, this is the time to show it. Okay, 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 not just for Israel. Can you think about the world in the first century? Let's back up. Let's just look at the world in the first century. For the first time ever, there's really been a global economy. For the first time ever, we don't have these estranged empires just warring all over the place. But for the first time ever, we have the silk trade routes that are coming all the way from China and across India, across Arabia. We've got Africa and now we've got Europe joined because the entire purple Roman empire now can connect everything coming from the south, from the north, and now to the east. It's why that old saying, all roads lead to mm -hmm, Rome. All roads lead to Rome. Let's look at the Roman Empire. Just as purple, zoom into the Mediterranean. Their trade routes across the sea by shipping and then all across the land. Oh, everything, everything. So if, if, if you said, look, I want to do something in history that the entire world could hear about, you had to wait to the first century. You had to wait to the first century. Otherwise, you would have just certain empires hear about it, but you didn't have widespread east to west. Really, the known world at that time is all connected in the first century due to this monstrous empire. Everything Europe, everything continent of Africa, and everything east now flows through here. In fact, if you wanted to pull off something in one place that everyone could hear about, where would you do it? Mm -hmm. You would do it probably right about there. You know where Israel is located? Uh-huh. Israel is located right here. Bullseye. Bullseye. You ever wondered why God waited so long to bring his son Jesus? If he's supposed to save the world, why do we have a couple thousand years of Old Testament waiting? Why didn't he just bring Jesus back in the time of Abraham or Moses and have him die on the cross then? Because it would have saved just the Jewish people. You didn't have a world commerce. You didn't have a world language. You didn't have a world trade. Oh, but you did in the first century, as you have just seen. And now we go down here and go, if I want to take the Roman Empire and all things east, north, south, right here is the very epicenter of the world trade route. And right there is Israel. And if we could zoom into Israel in the first century, here's what's going on. Israel in the first century is this entire place right here. And Israel in the first century has northern Galilee, has Judea, but right in the middle is that Samaria. Right in the middle, this little chunk here 
is one of the most heated race wars in all of human history. The Jews here and here hate the Samaritans, so much so that they wouldn't travel even to get north and south in their nation. They would go across the Sea of Galilee down here. They would travel on the other side of the Jordan River, cross back here, and they would add another day and a half to two days onto their travel just because of the race war that is going on here. So from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth, 1,400 feet below sea level, uh, a, a salinity that's 10 times more than the ocean, a place that everything runs into, evaporates, and just leaves the salt, we've got Israel <laughs> on the major highway of all the world. And three times a year, the Jews have to travel. Three celebrations a year, everyone wants to make their spot to right here Jerusalem, the capital, the headquarters, because you have a feast Passover we hit last week, remembering that your people had to kill a lamb, put blood on the doorway to get saved out of Egypt. 50 days later, there's a, there's a feast of weeks, or it's called Pentecost, 50, 50 days after Passover, 50 days after your people, when they were freed from slavery, 50 days later, they're at Mount Sinai, and God showed up, and you have a celebration of that. And then once again, in the late fall, you have a feast of tabernacle, or booths, where everyone for a week would make a little shelter based out of limbs, branches, tarps. It would have a branch ceiling on it. It was like camping out to remind you that during the wilderness, your people didn't have homes. In the wilderness, you were wandering, but God led you to a place, gave you a great land with rich resources. And for those three feasts, every good Jewish family needed to travel to Jerusalem. For those three feasts, Everybody up here in Galilee needed to go down and come up. And everybody in Judea made their way right there three times a year. Three times a year that also represent the first of the spring harvest, the first summer harvest, and the end of summer harvest, depending on the fruits, vegetables, or grains that you were growing. See, the Bible also set up when you harvest, when you have your income, when you have your windfall, you come and you give offerings to God. One of the hardest things of teaching my adult kids when they started getting jobs right now is just going, are you tithing? Dad, I'm not making that much to tithe. And I go, then quit your job. Why should I quit my job? Because you're telling me God's not in your job. God has no part of your job. Quit your job until you realize that God has given you the gifts. God has given you the abilities and God has provided for you. Start giving. The Old Testament word is tithing because it was strict set up on the portions and the percentages. The New Testament doesn't say tithe. It says you give generously generously. You give joyfully and you give in accordance to how God has blessed you. If you feel like God hasn't blessed you and given you anything, don't give. If you feel like, man, God has really blessed me and given me, then you give generously and sacrificially. And to teach my kids that. Otherwise, don't ever pray about your job because it's not God's job. You've made him clear he's not God of your finances. And three times a year, the Jews would come with their harvest. For three times a year, everyone would come but you realize that this area of Samaria made a great divide between north and south. There were the haves and the have-nots. Most of the men down here didn't read or write. The people down here were farmers and fishermen. They were agrarian. There were some wealthy landowners, but most of your wealth was up here with the vineyards. Most of your wealth was up here in the city. These were the educated. People down here had arguments over 
Chevy or Ford and what type of truck do you drive? People up here had arguments about what Ivy League school they were putting their kids in. People down here closed junior high school during hunting season because no one was showing up anywhere. People up here were arguing about are you going into tech stocks or value stocks? People down here were hoping to get enough money to eat for that week. People up here talk with a little bit of a draw, a little bit of a slang. We can tell you're from the country Bumpkinville, but three times a year, everyone needed to travel. And it's that time of year. It's the feast of setting up your booths or tabernacles, Sukkot, they call it. It's the, it's the celebration of the harvest of the first fruits. And everyone's asking, is Jesus coming? Do you think he's gonna show up? Do you think he's gonna show his face? At a time where the world empire is ready to take the news globally, at the time where little Israel is tired of being owned by the Romans and they want their freedom, there's a guy in the northern edge of Galilee that seems to be doing the miracles. That claims he can be the Messiah and God. But his last few run-ins with the church, the temple, the religious leaders up here, didn't go too well. And now the table is set. The nation is set. The world is set for John chapter seven. So after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles or that festival of booths, the festival of harvest, first grains was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee. Go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So up here, his brothers are telling Jesus, look, if you're really God, if you're really the Messiah, you gotta do it here. You gotta do it in civilization. You gotta do it in the educated part. You gotta do it in the scholarly center of the world. You're not gonna do it out here in secretly. It's the time for celebrating of tabernacle or booth. It's the time we're all supposed to travel up here. See, last week we saw on Easter Sunday, Jesus in this area at Passover said, I'm the bread, I'm your life. I'm the one that walks on water. You have to consume me. You get no life without me. And the outrage that is building hip, the last six months, he's been here. We know it's been six months since Easter, since Passover, because now it's the celebration of Booth, the harvest. It happens at the end. It happens in September, October. And his brothers don't believe in Jesus. Oh, they know he's done miracles, but they don't believe in Jesus. And for some of you, you go, brothers, if you come from like a Roman Catholic background, like my family is in, many of them still, or has come from, you have the Virgin Mary, and she's the perpetual Virgin Mary, and you pray to the Virgin Mary, and, and we get our religious education from religion, not the Bible, and we forget the Bible makes it very clear. She was a virgin. God said, I will put a child in you. you his name is Jesus. You will call him Emmanuel. But after Jesus was born, Joseph took Mary to become his wife. They had a family. Multiple places in the gospel, it mentions Jesus' brother's name. In fact, James, one of his half-brothers, writes the book called James. We forget that Mary and Joseph had a lot of kids and they're all mentioned in the Bible. She didn't stay a virgin for long. And his brothers know their big brother's got some special tricks. He's done some miracles, but come on. Can your big brother really be God? And now they're trying to force him, get up here and do it publicly. And this is Jesus' response. Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. 
For you, any time will do. But the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Circle, highlight, underline. It hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. Okay, we're gonna break down three reasons why people don't like church. Three reasons why church has become a dirty word for a lot of people. Reason number one, Jesus states himself. And the reason number one is this, real love has always been hard to hear and hard to accept. Man, that's the truth. Real love is hard to hear, it's hard to accept. His brothers go, come on, prove that you're God. Come up with us to the big tabernacle feast. Come up to us and do it now in the, in the capital. And Jesus goes, I'm not going, you guys go. My time has not yet come. By the way, the world's not gonna hate you. What do you care about timing? In other words, he's saying, you guys are part of the world. The world's gonna hate me because I'm gonna speak out against its evil. Now we know he's not speaking against trees and shrubs and lakes and rivers. We know what he's saying is, I gotta tell people there's sin in their life. They're gonna hate that. Why has church become a dirty word? Because the words of Jesus is hard to hear and hard to accept. But people, that's real love. <laughs> that's real love. Some of the harshest words I've ever heard came from my wife, Amy. Not because she's a harsh woman. Everyone that knows Amy, no man, she is a saint. She is a beautiful creature inside and out. But she's had to tell me, Chris, you're not funny. And I go, what do you mean? Everyone's laughing. She goes, yeah, except for the people that are crying. That wasn't funny. I'm like, oh, they just gotta have thick skin. She goes, no, you can't have a thick head or a thick heart. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that woman thinks that I have flaws. I know, crazy, crazy. But man, especially in those early years, there was a lot of things that Chris needed to work on and she was the one that could call me out on it and they were tough to hear, tough to accept. But you know what, she's right. We've exchanged loving people for being nice to people. Being nice to people is making sure no one's offended. Being nice to people is making sure everyone goes home happy. And Jesus goes, I'm sorry, my words are gonna offend. I'm sorry, I'm gonna speak truth. But the truth is there's evil, there's some wrong in your life and it's gonna be hard for you to hear. It's gonna be hard for you to put that together. <laughs> Great doctors make sure when they find out something's wrong with you, they don't tell you. Great doctors are gonna run all the blood tests, run all the oncology report, see there's some cancer, but great doctors are gonna go, you're fine. I think you're gonna be just good. Keep doing what you're doing. They're gonna make sure you leave the place happy. Wait, oh, no, 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 I got that backwards. <laughs> great doctors are gonna go, hey, I'm sorry. Here's what we found. We can take care of it. It's somewhat aggressive, but you can get a long life. You can get a healthy life. But for you to have the life that you need, I gotta tell you what's going on inside of you. That's truth, people. That is great love. And Jesus goes, I'm gonna speak truth into your life. You do realize what Jesus died for, right? Jesus died for, no, not people. Jesus died for, no, not everyone. Jesus died for sin. So if we refuse to call out what sin is, what is the use of Jesus dying? Jesus died just to make sure you could have a better day. Why would someone die on a cross to make sure I had a better day? No, Jesus died for sin so he could point it out, so his death could remove it, so his spirit now, because you're sinless, can come in us. The only way life works and the only way eternal life works is if sin is dealt with. And Jesus goes, I know people are gonna hate that. And because of that, people are gonna tend to think church is a dirty word. Let me tell you why else church can be a, a dirty word. See, however, verse 10, after his brothers had left for the festival, he 
went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? And among the crowds, there was a widespread whispering about him. Some said he was a good man. Others replied, no, he's just deceiving people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Here's another problem that's happening. I know back then it was the temple. It wasn't church. Church came after Christ. It's what we are, the Christians. But for the ease of us understanding this picture, we'll call temple church, if you will, at this time. But here was the second problem in church. Jesus told his brothers, I'm not going with you. It's not yet my time. It's not that he lied to him. It wasn't his time. He goes, I'm going to come later and I'm not going with you because you got a bad agenda. Remember, he's escaping the crowds that have the wrong agenda about him. Sometime later, though, he's showing up. But the church is split. The church has got two different opinions. Is he a good man or he's not a good man? And people have truth, but because they don't know where everyone is on the truth and they don't know where the leadership is on the truth, you really can't speak your truth. You see in Israel, there was a two-party thing. There was a, a Gamaliel as a rabbi and there was Rabbi Hillel and they were two different schools of taught. There were actually two different type of universities. They were both based in Judaism, but man, were they pretty divergent. And there were people passionate on both sides of this two-party system. And because of that, the truth got really dicey and you didn't really want to speak the truth publicly because you didn't know where everyone was on the truth. Aren't you glad we don't live in that type of system? And, and here was the problem. Real truth has always been polluted by public opinion. And therefore, hard to speak publicly. Real truth has always been polluted by public opinion. And because of that, it's hard to speak publicly. And we're in a period right now where I don't think anyone can even define what truth is, let alone speak it publicly. In fact, it's just better if we don't speak about truth. That way we don't upset anything. But Jesus goes, but I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. How are people going to Jesus unless you speak the truth? But the truth is so right now divisive. <laughs> we're so polar opposite on how we see truth that publicly everyone said, well, I'm not gonna say it out loud for fear of the leadership. I don't even know where we stand on this issue. And Jesus goes, and this is what you want me to walk into? This is what's happening in the first century. So watch what he does. Not until halfway through the festival, Jesus let his brothers go, just like I said, I'm not going with you. My time's not yet come. But not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and he began to teach. And the Jews were there amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Isn't this the country bumpkin? Isn't this the guy from Northern Galilee? Now, these people don't even read and write. How is this guy so educated? What is the wisdom? He didn't go to the Ivy Leagues. He didn't go to the universities here. He's not from the right area. He's from the wrong side of tracks. How can he speak such wisdom? And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Jesus goes, are you amazed at my teaching? Don't you realize I come from God? I didn't need to go to a seminary or a scholastic university to understand and be able to speak like this. Do the will of God and you'll know. Remember last week, twice he said the will of God is just coming and believing in Jesus. He goes, that's the will of God. He goes, come and plug into me. You'll know what truth is. You know this source. Your spirit then will testify with the spirit that what I'm saying is right. By the way, you guys have the law that drives you and none of you can keep the law. And so why are you trying to kill me? 
You're demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Because remember, it's that third feast. So many people have gathered. The Jewish people in Jerusalem know the leaders want to kill him. But everyone that travels to these feasts don't. What do you mean people are trying to kill you? Are you just crazy? Now you're speaking like just a madman. And Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but it came from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Where did we go there? Jesus goes, yeah, I'll tell you why I said people are still trying to kill me. Because of the one miracle I did and you were amazed at. Circle that in verse 21. I did one miracle and write chapter five. Jesus goes, yeah, last time I was here, I healed the guy right outside the church. A, 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 a quadriplegic. And I told him to pick up his mat and walk. And what did he do? He came right to church to celebrate. And what did the church do? How can a guy like you walk in here? Who told you to carry the mat? You can't carry a heavy load in here. Why? Because it was on your Sabbath. The day God set aside to give you rest and relationship, you've turned into legalism. And by the way, you're a bunch of hypocrites. (gasps) He goes, let me explain. I'm going to go after your biggies. Moses, the Sabbath, and circumcision. There's nothing more Jewish about that. The guy that wrote the first five books, the Sabbath, what all your laws are pertaining to, and circumcision, that right for a Jewish male to be set apart and different. So you have to circumcise a child on the eighth day, don't you? And everybody goes, of course. You can't choose when a baby is born, can you? No, you can't. So a bunch of baby boys are born, and on the eighth day is the Sabbath, and you've made an allowance. On the Sabbath, you can circumcise. On the Sabbath, you can do a medical procedure on the male organ of a child. And they're like, yes, you can. He goes, so I healed an entire man on the Sabbath? And you're judging him and me for that? And yet you've already broken your laws to do a small medical procedure on a child on the Sabbath. Now who's the hypocrite? Well, if Jesus wanted to light a match and throw it on a powder keg, he picked the time and place. You see, the actions in the church have become the greatest obstacles to God using his church. That's our first century. The obstacles and the actions in the church have become the obstacle to God using the church. He goes, you know why church is such a dirty word? Because you know why truth is going to hurt? It's going to hurt. I got to speak cancer in the lives for me to be the severe doctor and take it out. I got to speak sin into their lives so they know the purpose of the cross and what I've came to do for them and to redeem them, to cleanse them and not just give them a better life, but an eternal life. I got to point out sin and people hate being told they're wrong. People are hate being told they can't have that lifestyle. They can't have that choice. They can't have that option. Oh, it's a, it's a hate crime in our culture to tell people what they're doing is wrong. And let me tell you why, man. You're paralyzed about speaking the truth. There's so many different opinions and no one's speaking it publicly. And then I come in the church and you're filled with nothing but a bunch of hypocrisy and you're judging people. No one's celebrating the life change. Instead, you're going, how can a guy like that walk in here? Why are you bringing that in here? Because he carried his mat on the Sabbath and you guys have already broken that Sabbath rule when it came to circumcision of a child. Has anyone seen what's wrong here? No wonder he comes in and he flips over the tables and chairs the first time he visits. No wonder he comes in and he slams everybody the second time because no one's seeking real life change. They're keeping people from God. And no wonder he didn't come at the right time in the processions of those that want to make him king because he wanted to point out the error of what's going on. And, And yet people, if we want to apply it, it's why so many people today see church as a dirty word. 
bunch of judgmental people that just speak truth and they're a bunch of hypocrites that go there and I've never felt real truth and love from a bunch of any of them. So, so, so let me tell you what we got to do. And I love speaking this much to the North Coast, even North Coast online. I love speaking this message to a church that gets it over and over and over again. And yet we can't go, oh, we're loving people pretty good. Pretty good ain't good enough. Man, we need to double, triple, quadruple down on this. You see, real love has to be shown in order for it to be accepted. Real love has to be shown in order for it to be accepted. If the love of Jesus which has to point out sin in people's life is gonna be hard and they're gonna hate it, then we've gotta show this love for them to be able to accept it. We gotta do it in such a way in an environment where people are like, man, that was amazing. People get to walk out of North Coast going, I did not like that message at all. He said, we couldn't live together anymore. He said, Christ followers shouldn't be living together. We shouldn't be gossiping. We shouldn't be materialistic. He said that we're expected to give on the 15th and 30th as if God had something to do with our work and we're supposed to give generously and sacrificial. My tip is not sacrificial. I didn't like the way he said about that, especially in this economy in these times. I didn't like what he said about drinking. I didn't like what he said about marijuana use. I didn't like that he said that if you're a child of God, you're loved by the spirit of God and you're filled with the spirit of God. Don't drink or consume anything that puts another spirit of numbness or you being drunk over that because you're no longer in the spirit of God. I don't like that at all. There's a lot of things we don't like. I don't like what he said about sexuality between a man and a woman in marriage. I didn't like what he said about the freedoms that I have in there. But you know what? I'm going back because man, I love the way that group loved me. Man, I did not like the message, but I'm going back to one of those meetings. I was loved and hugged and accepted felt like a celebrity walking onto that campus. Felt like people really were glad to see me. Not just the paid greeters with the shirts out in front. Something's different there. We gotta be that love for love to be accepted. See, real truth has to come from God, not culture. Real truth has to come from God, not culture. We are so worried about our truth being culturally accepted right now. We've replaced being nice with being loving. Let's make sure you're nice. Let's make sure we don't offend people. There's a lot of different opinions right now. Let's make sure we say this. People are going to leave the church. People go, and Jesus goes, they're going to hate it. Oh, they're going to hate the truth. But you got to hold on to the truth of God. If you really love people, you got to give them the truth. No doctor is going to go, oh, you're fine. Go on your way. And you walk out and he goes, oh my gosh, look at the cancer. Well, couldn't we have fixed it? Oh yeah, we could have, but man, they wouldn't, they didn't want to hear it. It would have made a bad day. Oh my gosh, we got to come back to the truth comes from God, not culture. You realize it was our culture that once said it is legal and Christian-like to enslave people because of the color of their skin, to beat people and treat them like property because of the color of their skin. That is legal and that is Christian-like. In fact, one of the greatest wars our civil war was fought over, people that would lay down their lives to protect the idea of slavery. That was culturally acceptable. It was illegal to take a slave someone. It was illegal to step in when someone was abusing another human being. That was what culture brought about. We can't look at culture for where truth is. We gotta come to the gospel and go, man, we are gonna love people in the way that they see this, accept it. And he goes, look, there's sin in all of you. You see, the bridge that truth travels over is love. 
The bridge that truth travels over is love. What amazes me, the time this is happening in the temple courts, it's their feast of booth or tabernacles. Why do they live in little booths? Why do they live in little shelters for a week? To remind them that your people were enslaved. God freed you for the time in the wilderness where you had to live in these little booths. He supplied for you and then he brought you to a land of great wealth that now you can give back. It was a reminder of where you've come from. At a time where people should be reminded of what it took to save me, they're so judgmental. And Jesus goes, judge the right way. What's he mean? Stop judging by appearances, but instead judge correctly. Because in verse 16 and 17, he just told us how to judge. Is the spirit of God working through the life of an individual? That's how you judge. Is God working and drawing someone to them? Wow, to be the church. Whether it's online, in your own community, in your own life, in your own neighborhood, in your own workplace, or whatever campus we go to that walks on, and the first thing you want to do is become a missionary on your campus and your life and go, who's not fitting in? Who looks like they don't fit in? Who's the type of person that carries a mat here? And that's who I'm going after. That's the people I want. North Coast, we do a great job internationally. Whether it's helping out in Belize, whether it's helping out in Ecuador and Guatemala, what's helping out in the Ukraine, whether it's helping out right now in Vietnam, whether, I mean, the places that you guys reach in Mexico, in Haiti. I got a video clip yesterday that blew me away, almost brought me to tears in my office. And I'm clueless of the context of this thing. I was afraid to click on it because the email just said, I think you're going to enjoy this. And it was a YouTube. And I'm like, don't click on it. It's going to bring our entire IT security crashing down on me. I got to share this with you. Here's what I received yesterday by email. Hi, Chris. You'll never guess where I am. Chris, I am in Kenya. And I'm in a city named Nakuru. We're located out near the dump site, just about uh, 100 yards from here. There's a dump site. But guess what we're studying? We, we just recently built this little church, this little shelter, and we're looking at the book of John. You know, these people all learned so many scriptures. Uh, they know the deeds that John, uh, that uh, Jesus did, but they didn't know who he was. And so we're learning together right now uh, who Jesus is. So I just wanted to send this to you to encourage you. Uh, keep going. God's active everywhere. Uh, he loves all you guys at North Coast. And uh, do you guys want to say hi to him? Hi. Oh, we can do better than that. Come on, my people. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that absolutely amazing? And I know you might go, Chris, who is that? What's going on? What are they doing? Let me tell you, I have no clue. I wrote maybe the most embarrassing email back to this guy, Dave. And I said, what in the world, all caps, question marks, exclamation point. Who are you, question marks, exclamation point. What are you doing? How do you know about North Coast? And then I wrote this thing going, I'm sorry. You look somewhat familiar, but if we've met before, I just don't remember. There's way too many people in my life. My brain doesn't remember all those. You're not anywhere in our database. I can't talk to anyone on staff that knows who you are. How in the world are you doing North Coast? in Kenya, under this little tin roof, and you're walking people through the book of John with us? Who are you? I have no idea who this guy is, but I was just blown away, humbled, amazed, amazed at church what you're doing in Africa. Oh, I hope he emails me back. I gotta find out more information about this. 
I'm sure I'm going to be embarrassed. He's like, oh, we talked several times. I told you about this. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Way to go. But, but see, sometimes we find it's easier to love over there. Oh, what we do in Haiti right now and through Outside the Bowl is amazing. What we're doing in Africa in so many places is amazing. Do you realize our team of people that have been doing water wells just past their 100th water well that has been dug and is producing water in all these cities, always with the local church? 100 drinking water wells now in Africa are going through North Coasters. And anytime we put a need out there, you guys respond in amazing ways. But when the transgender person walks into and sits down in our pew next to us, what are you carrying your mat in here? When the people come in that don't look like us or the way we think the Mosaic law should apply in church people, what is she doing in here? Why are they wearing that? When the same sex couple sits ahead of us in church and puts their arms around each other and one whispers in the other ear and gives them a little peck on the cheek. The first response has been, oh my God, I gotta love this couple. Oh, how hard it must be for them to walk in and sit in these pews. Oh, I hope I can love these couple because the truth they're gonna hear from the word of God may be tough to hear and I want them to go, but I gotta come back because the way we were received. Jesus, because I needed you to judge correctly. I need you to judge the work of God that you come and believe on the son whom he sent. Not on appearances. Because the gospel is going to be hard to take. So we better double, triple, quadruple down on loving. It's why you're going to hear about it for the next three weeks. We are in our season right now of Serve Your City. We started this, I think, about 16, 17 years ago where we said, look, instead of coming to church, let's go out and be the church. Oh yeah, we average about four community service projects a day through North Coast because all of your life groups are doing community service throughout the year. Four community, community service projects a day. Many of you online are jumping in in your communities and doing it as well. But we wanted to make a splash. We, at the end of April, there's no services, no campuses are open. We have 7,000 volunteer spots to go out. We've got 40 different sites, over 200 different projects all across North County and Hillsboro and beyond. If you haven't caught a glimpse, if you're new in the last year, or you're just watching online and go, what's this church about? Let me show you this video. This is what Serve Your City is all about. Hey, North Coast, this is Connor, your outreach pastor. And right now I'm at Divine Path, one of the many places you're gonna be during Serve Your City. Divine Path is a dynamic and comprehensive program that provides vocational and life skills training to adults with special needs, training them in agriculture, hospitality, and the arts. Joseph was diagnosed with autism at three years old. Ever since junior high school, I was worried about what am I gonna do with my son once he's done in the school district? Because, you know, I'm not gonna be here forever. So I really wanted him to be able to, you know, kind of navigate life in a way that he would be successful. Divine Path has been a godsend. They explained everything they were gonna do here and I thought, my gosh, he's gonna be outside. He's not gonna be sitting on a computer all day. He's actually gonna be doing something that's gonna benefit him. So that, that really was what made me feel like, you know, this is, this is the place. Divine Path is a great place, an incredible place, and I really love it here. Everyone is n nice to me and thoughtful, and they like me a lot. Here at Divine Path, I like to make music and write music. I was always wanting to be a famous singer. When I stand up on stage, that makes me feel confident. 
Our daughter Rebecca was born with Down syndrome. Divine is a second home for her. She really likes to be there. She feels very accepted. Everyone is like a really big family. She just can't wait to go. As a mother of a special needs child, you always tend to be looking over looking <clears throat> over shoulders, afraid of her making her own mistakes. So being away from us since she's been going to Divine Path, she seems to be more confident in what she does for herself. I learned a lot of new skills. My favorite thing here is cooking, making pasta, salads, and desserts. It's all delicious and very fun to make. The Fame Path is my second home to me. I'm very accepted here, and I belong here. that I had about what's gonna happen after my son finishes school, they're gone. I just, I couldn't be more thankful. You can clearly see how places just like this need our help to keep up the amazing work they're doing. During Service City, we're gonna be at places like Divine Path and so many others doing construction, landscaping, painting, carpentry, all kinds of projects that could use some great volunteers. We're gonna be at places that help women who have been victims of trafficking. We're gonna help the military. We're gonna help schools. We're gonna help sober living to be the church and impact people in so many ways. Join together with us as we partner and be the hands and feet of Jesus during Serve Your City. Isn't that incredible? That's just one, one of the 40 different sites just in North County. And by the way, that's just in North County. We are also doing projects all over the state, all over the country, all over the globe, in Ukraine, in Ecuador, in Turkey, in Mexico, in Czech, and of course in Hillsborough. Man, we are doing projects all over the place. We've got over 200 projects. We've already committed over $200,000 in just raw materials that we're gonna need to pull off all of these projects. We've already got over 4,000 of you signed up. Four, we're double the signups we had a year ago. Now remember, we need 7,000, so 3,000 of you are like, I'm waiting till the 12th hour. It's 12.05, get on, click a button, sign up, it's all online. Or if you're watching online, get your group that's watching together and go, what project can we do? Send us a picture of it, get it into Trent and let them know, hey, here's the project we're gonna be doing in a couple weeks. Here's some of the highlights. Some of you just go, hey, I'm not about working the sun, painting, I can't lift a lot of stuff. You're just gonna be putting toiletry kits together. We've got 10,000 toiletry kits for the San Diego Union Rescue Mission and Interfaith, two nonprofits that are fighting homelessness and some of the most impoverished in our county. When you do 10,000 toiletry kits that they hand out to everyone that comes to these two nonprofits, you're gonna supply them for a year of toiletry kits. Bonzal Elementary School, we're helping them create an entire outdoor new learning space for the kids. And we're also helping them launch their 4-H program. Their superintendent pulled Connor aside this last week and said, do you realize you guys are doing over $2 million worth of work for us on our campus? And Connor goes, seriously? He goes, yeah, with prevailing wages, with what we could do, we wouldn't even ask for this to be done. You're doing over $2 million of work just on our campus. The Respect Project, it's a center run by San Marcos Sheriff's Department that works with gang kids and at-risk youth. So here's what they're finding. They're finding a bunch of these gang kids, they're tagging up stuff all over the area. They're putting them together with the sheriffs that just wanted to go a partnership, sort of like a big brother relationship. And we're gonna do an entire graffiti art project day. 
We're bringing in an ex-gang member that's now a full-time artist. He's a North Coast guy. And we're bringing in another guy who's the head graphics designer at Monster Energy Drink. And they're going to be doing classes with the sheriff and these gang guys on how to use their art for good. And tips, are you kidding me? This is phenomenal. The uh, Alabaster Jar Project. This is the Center for Women who's been victims of trafficking. We previously did an interior model last year, um, as well as their backyard, an interior remodel. Now we're landscaping their front yard. We're putting up a privacy fence for them as well, just to further protect these women that have come out of sex trafficking. Sleep in heavenly peace. Several times a year, our entire parking lots on the Vista campus are just inundated on Saturday morning with all kinds of lumber, and people make these beds for kids who don't have one. With one TikTok post that Sleep in Heavenly Peace put out, they received a request from 150 families here in North County that said our children don't have their own bed. Can you guys build them? And we said, heck yeah, we can build 150 beds. Yard maintenance for combat and wounded veterans. We've got many wounded veterans that are back and they can't take care of their own house externally. And we said, we're gonna knock out house after house after house. One of these gentlemen was given a 2% chance of survival. He's had 250 surgeries since 2018 and he's making it. By the way, not North Coasters. Guys that don't come to church. Why? My bet is church has become a dirty word to a lot of people. So we don't expect you to come to the dirty word. We're gonna go out and we're gonna love you. We're also helped fund the sending of over 200 comfort cubs. They, we've got a place that we do and we build these weighted stuffed animals so it actually has a weight to it, not just, a, it feel, it's supposed to be this comfort. I don't know how it all, all works in therapy. I know that with the whole shootings that happened in Nashville, we supplied over 200 of these comfort cubs to the victims of that shooting. And now we're building more for the next tragedies that seem to constantly hit our area and our nation. That's just a few of these 40 projects. Let me give you above and beyond. If we can collect more than our 200,000, I'll get to that in a second. Here's what we want to do above and beyond. Operation Hope is a transitional center for homeless families. We started with one room. As we walked through their dining hall with their staff, their director, Jimmy, pointed out the lighting. And he goes, some of our residents said that our lighting in here reminds them of when they were in juvenile hall. And he kind of laughed. Well, that didn't sit right with our team. We want to remodel not just the one room that we've committed to, but we want to do the entire facility and give them brand new lighting, brand new kitchen floors as well. That's above and beyond, but I think we can get it. Sleep in heavenly peace, those ones that need to make the 150 beds. They've got so many requests coming in, and because North Coast is now partnered with them in the area, they need a place to store all the lumber, to store their beds, to store all their woodworking, all their craftsman material. We'd like to help them pay for rent for next year for a warehouse. Reigns is a therapeutic horsemanship program for those who have PTSD, those who are disabled, and those with special needs. They serve over 200 people every year. Reigns is a huge project that we've taken on almost every year, I think for the last 10. We'd like to give them enough money to help them with scholarships so they can keep serving 200 people every single week with this equest equestrian therapy. Divine Path, it provides vocational and life skills training to those with special needs. You saw them, that was the video that I just showed you. What you didn't see is that very week their heater went out 
and their art studios electricals, uh, uh, their art studios uh, electric went out. It's not working. It completely needs to be redone, completely needs to be repaired. We'd love to jump in and say we're doing brand new electrical for your art studios and for some of your place. The Hula House, it's a sober living facility for women in Vista. It's run by North Coasters who years ago weren't sober, who got clean, got sober, know this love of God, and now want to help others do the same. They spent all they had on getting the Hula House up and running, and we'd like to help them renovate some of the rooms in this house that will help countless women go through their rehabilitation program. Downstown, several homes for people with Down syndrome. They're here in North, they're North Coasters. They come in vans. They're the best hugs I get every weekend. And they asked with all the rain, several of their homes were completely flooded. Their staff are now stuffed together and working out of a garage. Um, they need to repair the flood damage. They need a freezer in that garage and they need to help get a better workspace. Military baby showers. You may not know this, but we have over a thousand North Coasters who live in North County because of someone in their family faithfully serves in our military. Our military ministry loves to host baby showers for new moms, especially for new moms whose husbands are serving overseas. Last time we did this, we threw 40 baby showers during one event, supplying everything you need for 40 baby showers adds up quickly. We'd like to continue to reach out to these new moms on the military base around us and continue. And there's pages and there's pages and there's pages. <laughs> How in the world are we doing this? Easy. $23 a person. $23 a person can raise about $200,000. At $200,000, we can parlay into about $3 million worth of work because we got 7,000 people that are skilled that are going to give us free labor for an entire weekend. And if we do $23 an adult, $23. You've got a QR code online. You can go online or use the app. You can pay through Tidely and there's a little drop down menu and just say it's for Serve Your City and put in your $23. Or if you're watching as a couple, try to put in $46. Or if as a couple you go, we'll do $46, but I bet there's another couple that's not going to be able to come up with $46. We'll do an even hundred and we're going to pay for four of us. Why? Because sometimes it's easier to help people in Africa and Haiti than the person next door. But the person next door may have come to see church as a dirty word because the truth is hard to accept. You speak against me. I'm not finding the love that goes with that truth. Truth is so polarized nowadays, no one's speaking it into my life. And in church, I found hypocrisy and people judging me for all the wrong reasons. And Jesus says, well, that was the temple 2,000 years ago. You, you see, we are both the love and truth of Jesus. It's what we do. We are the love and the truth of Jesus. And there's no way we can offend people because this probably already will. So our job is to love and love and love organizations and people that want nothing to do with church, school districts that have a great separation between what they do and church, local parks and projects, Michelle houses of those that are dying with AIDS and they're not coming to us because they've had a run-in with Christians before and the way they are loved and loved and loved. They will encounter the truth. That's, that's why we do what we do. I challenge you this week, if you haven't signed up, sign up. If you can give $23, give $23. We are going to teach the truth. And do it in a way where we love people so well, they will sit through it and go, well, I didn't like that one, but 
man, I want to be around this group of people again. You see, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. It's us. We are the church. So many times people go, well, my, my relationship with God is personal. It's a personal relationship. No, no, you made a personal decision. But the moment you made the decision, you became a family, you became a body. There's no private personal relationship with God in Christianity. There's a personal decision you've made. And from that moment on, you are the church. From that moment on, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. From that moment on, we carry love, we carry truth. We are God's plan to reach the most broken. We are God's plan to reach those who aren't gonna find God on their own and who truth has set them or bad church has set them apart. And we are gonna counteract that by the way we love. That, that's what we're gonna do by the way we come onto every campus and we look around and say, who can I love? Who can I welcome? Who can I make sure fits in? By the way we look and go, man, if people already have friends, who doesn't have friends here? Who do I make sure that I can fit in with and make sure that they know they fit in? How can we do this remembering where we come from? See, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. People are living outside in shelters to remind themselves that when I was enslaved, God freed me. When I was in exile, he took care of me until I could have a life of plenty. And that's why I give to the church now. And in a season where you're supposed to remind it who, where you came from, you're judging someone else's life. You can't celebrate life change because it broke your Sabbath law. Oh, no wonder Jesus has a hard time going to church. Let's not be the obstacle for God to work in our areas. Let's become the greatest resource God has. He goes, I can send someone to North Coast. They're gonna hear hard truth, but they're gonna be loved so stinking well. They're gonna plug in and they're gonna stay. Oh, God's plan A wasn't the Garden of Eden. That was his plan. But from page three on, God's plan is, how do I save a broken world? That plan A, it's us. It's us. Father, may we continue to be a church that seeks to love you. And in loving you, God, may we love others. May we remind ourselves what you saved us from, the road you put us on, the blessings you've given us, so that, God, we can turn around and love others unconditionally. At the same time, may we hold your gospel, your truth, that brings people back to you. May you use us, God, for your purpose, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to be able to help us in our effort towards Serve Your City, and you'd like to be able to give towards this, simply go to our website and click on the Serve Your City banner where it says give. That is the best way for you to be able to help support us in this effort as we try to reach our communities. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back next week.